0: You Are What You Read is brought to you by Book of the Month, a monthly subscription service that allows you to curate your own original box of books each month from a selection of hundreds of bestsellers. Book of the Month features diverse and current titles for all readers, and they make their subscription options easy and flexible so you can spend less time researching and more time reading. Behind on your reading list? Skip your monthly selection and use a credit for a book the next month. Do you prefer to listen to titles when you're on the go? Opt for an audiobook. Book of the Month has a reading experience just for you. If you're already reading most Book of the Month titles, try a membership right now with our exclusive discount for You Are What You Read podcast listeners. You can head to bookofthemonth.com to get your first book for just 9 dollars Just use code ADRI, that's A-D-R-I at checkout. Happy reading! Happy Saturdays, dear listeners. I'm thrilled to be joining you on your walk or your run or your errands today as you go about your weekend business. I thought it would be fun if we brought you a bonus episode of You Are What You Read with the great Barbara Kingsolver. We've received so much love for our conversation with Lily Kingsolver and her mother, Barbara Kingsolver, about Coyote's Wild Home this week that we thought, what the heck, let's just Peel off those gloves and bring you Demon Copperhead, our conversation with Barbara. So I had a great honor of speaking with Barbara about her Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Demon Copperhead, a story that has swept the globe. Everybody relates to Little Damon, also known as Demon, in Lee County, Virginia. And it's set to the music, really, of... David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. And Barbara talks about that in this interview. You've read it in your book clubs. You made it an international bestseller. It is still on the bestseller list. And now Barbara shares with us her process of research, how she writes, and her inspiration for this great novel. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, the brilliant Barbara Kingsolver.
1: Hey! Hey! (laughs) <laughs> Barbara you beauty look at you in your life is that your office this is my office yeah my hands are on my keyboard right now this is this is where I work are yeah. you gearing up for your big tour I am <laughs> I am it's gonna Barbara be this book
0: it is to me in the moment essential reading the story of this young man and um and what it's like and what it looks like, feels like, and is to grow up in a place called Appalachia. Will you define Appalachia for everybody who doesn't know what Appalachia is?
1: Okay, well, um, you probably you probably outside of here say Appalachia because that 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 pronunciation was actually invented by the media um, years ago when, uh, like, in the Johnson administration when they decided uh to sort of uh have the war on poverty and kind mm-hmm. right come in here and and you know sort of maybe that was the beginning of the poverty documentary we are a place that is looked down on by the rest of the world um and we happen to love where we live this lady is from right now actually her hometown features in this book uh, we know all the places in here right oh my gosh devil's bathtub i knew everything right. I all was of it. Yeah. She's, she's my home girl we are from the we both we're from very uh very close together in southern appalachia it's um on the map it's um pieces of several different states from Tennessee, uh north carolina tennessee virginia kentucky west virginia up a little bit into pennsylvania and ohio okay but it's it's defined by a culture by uh terrain the mount of the appalachian mountains and by a language the way we speak the way she and i used to speak back home and we've changed it a little you can bit come I'm,
0: back, honey, as we're talking i say, i'm gonna re-talk.
1: that's right that's right we still oh i code switch like what i'm when i'm talking to my neighbors i'm 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 speaking my native language but when i go to new york i pronounce my eyes differently so but it's not conscious it's just you know it's who, of, we it's who we are. who we are well it is i was so interested in what you were in the previous discussion i want to read that book right now it's been on my list but now it just moved up the queue wow. but um the way that we perform because sort of we we organize our, ourselves around other people's expectations that happens to Appalachians because we are so, when we leave, like when I, when I left Kentucky and went to college in um, the hotbed of, of culture, uh, in Greencastle, Indiana, people would stop me on the sidewalk to get me to pronounce words, you know, to say syrup and all and hair and it's over there. I was like this this little mascot of of my college, which I did not appreciate at all. Uh, the movie Deliverance had come out, so what I'm saying is, we are a region that is defined by outsiders very negatively, um, but inside, inside we know we know how smart we know that we know the beauty of our culture, we know the beauty of our place, and the sort of the strength. Of of who we are, which is I, I would say organized around community resilience and yeah. resourcefulness. We're people who do for ourselves. Who and make, it, it make is quilts, great. grow gardens. We do it's stuff a
0: creative like that. epicenter of every art form in the United States, whether it's fine art, um, music. I mean, when you talk about the entire bluegrass tradition, and but Appalachia to me, you're hitting all the the big uh, you're all of it but there is something about scotland ireland right and then the the indigenous americans mm-hmm. the mighty melungeons that are that are chronicled herein right he's a Melungeon, Because mm-hmm. our characters a Melungeon, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is our which is our uh, uh appalachian way of saying melange which is a french word
1: Uh, and there was a
0: mystery around it too remember like were they from the lost colony were they dragged there
1: (laughs) now we can do dna research and it's like not really that exotic but it's just a mixture
0: it's just a mixture and it's a little it's a little bit indigenous a little bit african-american a little bit white a little bit of everything
1: yeah um but you're you're right to bring in the scots-irish because that's who settled this region and so there's a strong uh, linguistic connection to Ireland. I'll tell you, the first one, the first time I went to Ireland, I felt so at home. Everybody's like, "Darling, darling, sit down," and we're doing County music South- on the Beach. porch, and it just felt like, okay, these are my people. um So I yeah, felt we're in that. Scotland. Scotland's the same, right? Well, the Scots Irish were they—they they got kicked out of one and kicked out of the other. They went back and forth quite a few times, and then they just like came on over and settled here, where nobody would kick them out. Um, so yeah we have a you know really interesting linguistic and cultural history um but we have been treated as an internal colony of the united states for you know a couple of centuries so that's why this region is has some of the most uh, worst unemployment the worst uh some of the worst poverty our culture of education is very um sort of impaired and this was all done to us by the coal the coal companies the timber companies just sort of one one outside uh um corporation after or or interest after another came in took the good stuff out and left a mess behind and so that that's it also gave us jobs well they they did but but only a particular kind of job so the like the coal companies which um were a, a great employer while while they lasted I mean, a great employer that keeps you in the dark under the ground from oh, morning yeah. till night, but they paid well. Okay, but they also quite deliberately kept out any other industries, and they also kind of controlled the school, the school boards, and all. Of, they they literally owned the region, so they made sure that both the economic and the cultural um, force of the region was to keep people coming back into the mines. Then starting at the end of world war ii they started laying off miners, laying off laying off so there's fewer and fewer coal jobs until now they're almost none so we end up in this in this place that we get blamed for you were before you were saying women are the last um the butt the last sort of allowed butt of the joke appalachians you watch tv watch any like late night comedian and just cannot- it,
0: makes me, it makes me sick
1: Count yeah. down the minutes until there's some joke about you know hillbillies, Appalachia, yeah. their green the animals are marrying their sisters. It's 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 bitter. It's, I mean, because we have, as Demon says, do they think we don't have cable? I mean, we know you're talking about us. Um, we can hear it, it makes people very angry. But anyway, this is all to say, this is all sort of the, the setting for
0: it is this, the
1: setting for this, this novel, novel and yeah one more, okay. There's this cold train of you know of of outsiders that have come in and 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 basically just taken something or screwed the region. The latest of these is the pharmaceutical companies that did their homework, they studied the data, and they chose Lee County, Virginia, this place where I live, where you're from, um, this region as ground zero for for OxyContin. Because of the vulnerability of the people for various different metrics, the dope sick so phenomenon, which yeah, means- it has to do with over uh, overstretched healthcare systems, people without uh, a lot of people on disability, a lot of people with injuries, very few other resources for pain other than just you know the prescription pad. So for all these reasons, they said, okay, we are pouring in the oxy, and they did. Um, when you read some of the statistics, it's harrowing. Like. A hundred pills for every man, woman and child in a in a whole county uh, were was prescribed and sort of the height of this. So what did this do to a region? It was like a bomb went off. We have a generation of kids here who, um, you know, because this drug is so addictive and it just it, it got out into the community so quickly and ruined lives so quickly. We have a generation of kids here growing up without parents because their parents are incarcerated or or yeah. um, or or non-functional or dead of overdose. So as the world, you know, we, the the uh and again we're you know talking about issues rather than the novel, but as the world, you know, sort no, of looks it's important words,
0: because it's Dickensian. It's Dickensian. I'm, yeah. You, right you did something really profound, whether well, thank uh, you. And I okay? <laughs> well, it was profound because you took Probably the worst era that we have read extensively about for children, leaving out Africa and some of the in Asia, maybe some of the places, but within the the english speaking world, you took that Dickensian which we marvel at, right they've made musicals Oliver out of it they've done you know it's it's this when children were abandoned by a culture. And left to their own devices to survive, which is what Demon does in this book.
1: right, yeah, and it took, it took me a minute, like a couple of years, because I knew so so we have this generation of lost boys, lost girls, this kids that are just are have have been abandoned, and I wanted, as the world kind of looked at watched the big you know the big uh, good guys, bad guys show of Purdue Pharma, and then that sort of got settled or sort of didn't, but anyway. You know as people look away i felt like no this it's not over it's never going to be over for these kids or this region i wanted to tell the story it was really important to me i didn't know how because who wants to read about you know these kids and their awful lives and i really for did Barbara, I, it, it's funny and well, it's- I, yeah i spent years thinking how can i tell the story Funny. that would make people just you know want to turn pages really get people into the story and then i hit on dickens this is exactly his Baileywick. this is what he wrote about and he was so angry because that was his his you know he went through you know the victorian equivalent of you know of the yes. system exactly. and all all the stuff he was mad about it for his whole life he had people lined up on the docks waiting for the next chapter of his book to be published so what he told me because these are my teachers i didn't go to i didn't study writing in school i i read books and this guy on my bookshelf said you let the kid tell the story because people people don't doubt the child the people don't think he's exaggerating so i that was that was my starting point i would i would take david copperfield and retell it in my region um, in Southern Appalachia, in this day, in this time, in this place, and make that story, that same kind of breathless voice and that plot that just yes. hooks, you, like, hooks you at the end of every chapter to make you read one more and one more. I would do that. I would use those tools, those Dickensian tools to tell the story of the Lost Boys. And so Demon Copperhead is my David Copperfield. He has red hair and so his nickname is copperhead it this you know this adri everybody around here has nicknames uh the guys especially you know and they're never flattering they're they're like stumpy and stubby and i mean funny the guy that um used to like come and repair the like the plumbing in our house was funny he wasn't at all um <laughs> but um that helped because when I started transposing these characters who have these great Dickensian names like Murdstone and and Steerforth, well, it was I could do that because here here we have the the evil stepfather is called Stoner,
0: uh-huh. Murdstone
1: becomes Stoner and Steerforth becomes Fast Forward. You could I could make up these funny sounding names exactly. because they work in this place. Um, and you uriah heap that was a really tricky one uh he ended up as u-haul piles so um uh i should, I should you uh, use the peggets though you listen. yeah peggotty became the peggotty family became the peggots right and then some i just made up like maggot he's just like the best friend maggot he's like just there was no dickensian maggot but i needed one um that's his name and you know as demon says nobody here thinks a thing about it you can buy a beer for your breast for your best friend maggot and not think of, you know not think twice uh it's true though right you it's knew true. you true i up. mean i felt like it was so authentic
0: and by the way even with all the problems of the cultural milieu he is in which is dickensian at this point we're in, in our beloved area um, that's not to say there are not people of means around him mm-hmm. and it's not to say that there isn't a society that's held together because we are after all in the American South and the American South, there is nobody who can hold up, you know, I mean, during a tsunami and act like there's not water coming in the window, like, <laughs> a, like, like a grit girl from the American South. It's just a way the folks are yeah. they're strong and interestingly enough, resilient even though they're never credited with that
1: right well um the thing is we're all kinds of ways and what's so frustrating about the way we're portrayed in if we even show up you know at all in mainstream media we're always you know the um the uh you know the teenage pregnant girl or the abusive drunk boyfriend well okay I have those characters here I also have mrs Peggot next door who's the grandmother that everybody wishes they have because she takes care of everybody oh, we, sure. ha- we have mr Peggot, who's like this philosopher you know if you're quiet and you listen to him he will tell you the meaning of life um we have one uh we have june and june who's the who's like the wonder woman nurse who won't give up on any of her patients and she's kind of a whistleblower she's she's trying to tell people about this addictive drug um we, you know those are all real people too and we have the you know the 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 fancy fancy pants girl uh um in school who's who's her her parents own actually were coal people so she has a lot of money and she always shows up to the school with the you know she's the worst first person to have a computer and uh a cell phone and all these things so you know, we have a whole ecosystem of characters in every county, in Lee County, in Scott County, every county in Appalachia. You don't just have the teen mom and the you know, and the the drunk stepfather. You have the Mrs. Paget next door. You have the the nurse heroes. You have, and that's what that's what I do when I represent Appalachia. I give you the whole picture. So yeah, the problems are here, but the solutions are here too. We don't want to be talked down to. We want to be respected. And um so that's kind of my project as a writer. And I, I mean I do write about something different every time because that keeps me excited. Um and nervous, you know, it's But
0: I don't I don't think anyone and I, I don't think anyone and I and I feel like we have got some great writers in our neck of the woods there, Lee Smith, Silas mm-hmm. House, you know, all, all those folks. Um, and there, and we love them. But Barbara, you're a.
1: What are you going to say?
0: I get, I'm, well, I know you get embarrassed when I talk about you in these terms. But in a hundred years, we're going to be reading Barbara Kingsolver.
1: I hope we're reading in a hundred years. I hope there are books. There will um,
0: not I only be books; you. they well, will you. be reading you. Thank you. So I and I also believe that's why this is important. Because you are bringing us a world in its full flower and color, maybe full harvest would be a better because you have you have you have waited it, and maybe that's a little bit of the Dickens thing, but you've weighted it so beautifully with what we are and what we aspire to be and what we should never be. They're all there, it's yeah. all of the colors of the human condition is in this book. And I and it's and it's poetic. Um and I, I don't want anybody let I me mean, just tell you you're gonna be turning pages. You're gonna be turning pages because you then will become an expert on Appalachia when you read this. You'll understand it. Because you will understand like the heart of people. Even you know even when there's a couple a couple, couple times in year where someone would die. But you there was a resplendent nature to it, an understanding to it that I didn't I wasn't offended. I wasn't, I never felt that anybody was dumb or um, not with it, or that now they could, they could have avarice or they could have these, you know, human traits, but no, I, I was absolutely blown away by it. And I loved what I thought was so great. And I'm not giving away the ending, but the fact that what saves you is your creativity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What saves demon
1: is his creativity.
0: It, yeah. It's always what saves people, and it's the most obvious thing. Yeah, but we forget if we make something, and we serve, or we—I mean, you do it every day on your Instagram, where you present something that's beautiful. Look, look. and and I think in demon's world. He realizes, as the story's carrying him along, that he can do that too he can he can tell the story on some uh, with his skill set,
1: yeah, he finds <laughs> a way to tell his own uh, own story, but um yeah, you're right i mean it's every every character in this novel is doing the best they can, and so there are moments when um when demon sort of breaks the the fourth wall he talks to you directly to you directly he, yeah. he, he's like right from the start he said he tells you first of all i got myself born and he actually did get himself born because his, his mom was out of it as he's as he says so he had to do the work the most of the work himself uh, he's born on the on the on the floor of the bathroom of his teenage mom's single-wide trailer home and he says later on he says some people might say this makes me the eagle scout of trailer trash because i wasn't born in the hospital brought home to the trailer home i was born in the single wide so um, you know he's telling you the story and there are moments when he you know he turns to you and says look look okay a bunch of 10 year olds on drugs you think you think we're making bad choices look what we've got to work with you know i mean that's 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 everybody in the novel look what they have to work with mer you know stoner the this this jerk of a of a stepfather he's still doing the best he can and that's as a, for a novelist you know this for a novelist you're biggest and most important challenge probably well there's a lot of them but one of them that matters most is you got to get in there and you got to love every one of your characters even as we say around here the hatefulest ones we still gotta you you have to get inside there and know love them what makes that character you know you have to start by thinking well his mother probably loved him why you know what what is it what is it in him that makes him think he's doing the best you know that he's doing the right thing here even if it's you know he's acting like hitler or you know whatever we have to be able to to love these characters in, from the inside out to generate genuine motivation. So that they will be real on the page, not just flat, stereotyped. You know, good guys and bad guys on right, the page. That's right. They have to be rich. We have to be there rich. You <laughs> believe in, even though I mean, isn't this nuts? You know, this is all made up. These are not real people. But I have to make you, you know, things can't, you know, like want to keep turning the pages to see what's going to happen to Demon? Is he going to make it? Well, you know, he's making it. He's going to make it because he's telling you the story. So that's what Lee Lee Smith, um, our mutual friend. Yes. The wonderful novelist Lee Smith. I sent her a galley and she said, I was so scared. I almost couldn't go to bed at night. But then it's <laughs> I was true. so, it's so true. worried about him. But then I'd tell myself, well, he's telling the story. So he probably he has to make it. He's going to he
0: probably make it. it. He probably made it.
1: He's definitely going to make it. So yeah, I can tell you the reader, he's going to make it. But yeah, there's suspense here. There's love. There are bad choices. There's football, which is like if you come from Southern Appalachia, high school football is where it sport is at. friday night and mm-hmm. i'm not i am i confess i'm not a football fan it is the one sport that women as absolutely can't do so tell me how night title nine i mean we're not allowed to do we just can't it's like all about upper body right so like i'm digressing i'm going back to your previous conversation how does title nine allow all these schools to put the most enormous amount of money into their football programs I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you just ability. think
0: about it. I mean, I know people love their football, <laughs> yeah. but I, I said to my husband, can't they come up with better rules so their brains don't get addled there? I mean, it's in there oh, something we no. can do. My husband yeah. said, You're not supposed to hit with your head, you're supposed to hit with your shoulder. I said, well, That's not good either. Uh,
1: right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Poor women, we don't get to play football. But
0: The thing uh, that the okay. athletes will tell yeah. you, yeah, it gets worse like it, it, in sports that it, that it, that, uh, that it gets harder hitting and more dangerous and the kids get bigger.
1: Right. Right. But anyway, this is a little bit of a digression, but that's what we do. Not (laughs) really. Not really. We're talking Appalachian. But football is, high school football is really important in the story. And it has to be because it is set in Lee County, Virginia, where the Lehigh generals are the royalty of, you know, of the county and Demon ends up, You know, the first kind of success he finds in life after being, you know, really sort of uh, struggling, you know, to be anyway, he has a lot of struggles, but he finds some success in high school football. And so he's like, you know, this is really wonderful until he gets hurt and then he's prescribed, you know, oxy. And anyway, not to give away too much. You don't want to give away too much. But
0: uh, now there, I will tell you that the whole trajectory of what happened to him wow barbara it's I mean, real wow. like it's absolutely so real. real it's so real this is
1: what this is how it happened nobody wants to be addicted to opioids nobody and to d- the research well i'll just back up to finish the football thing i knew i, ha- I- i've spent my life not knowing about football even though like. My daughter played in the band, you know, so that the, in the marching band. So I would show up to the high school football games a minute before halftime and then, you know, leave a minute after. But finally, this is Barbara Kingsolver's come up and I really had to understand football mm-hmm. to, to write this. You know, that's one of many kinds of research I had to do. So I had to go to the games. I had to, you know, ask my husband, OK, who's why? You know, who's doing that? Well, like the you know, first in 10. Yeah. OK, I got it anyway. I thought for sure you were like a, a devotee of football i thought you were going to tell me you know <laughs> you love you know
0: virginia tech or you, 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 you No, know, that's how clear it
1: was i tricked you yeah and also my, really my one of my son-in-laws played high school football and so he i got him to vet you know all of the like t- you know vet all the football scenes and he told me about practice the shoots and all this stuff like and then then when he was reading the last draft he would text me and say Good job on the shoots you know good job on the on the end run you know so he was like he was he was on me there but anyway but research okay i had to do football research i also had to do a lot of drug research where because okay everybody everything that happens in this novel all every awful thing that happens to somebody in this novel has happened to somebody i know um because that's what we're living with here that um that that opioid opioid use disorder has become so rampant that it's in every family it's everywhere but i'm very lucky that i didn't know and you know my immediate family we don't have iv drug users i'm really really happy uh to tell you but i had to know that and so i made friend actually i met dr van Z at an event that you were you were there too we were there together and doctor i introduced myself to Dr. Van Z and that became a really important friendship for me. He was a really great, he's the he's the doctor in Lee County County who was in real life the first whistleblower to say, this is not right. This drug that they tell us is not addicting, is very addictive. And he had to, you know, work. He tried, it took him a really long time to get anybody to listen. But anyhow, now most of what he does in Lee County is treat people in recovery. And so he very kindly, um, offered to, uh, put me in contact with, he, he sent an email to his patients and invited them to speak with me. And so several came, uh, reached out. And so I got to sit down with, it was all women, interestingly, that that's who volunteered to talk with me. Um, I got to sit down with, with these, these people, young, pe- all young people and listen to their stories beginning to end how did this happen to you to what depths did you descend which was just you know heartbreaking horrible horrible losses um you know watching you know, lot, you did,
0: there's so much judgment around,
1: around there is there is and that's what i wanted to i wanted to bring you into the this life and show you like every uh, every one of these people who who, who spoke with me had begun their their journey into addiction with a legal prescription from a doctor who said you take this every you know x number of hours set your alarm clock so you don't miss a pill and by the time they got to the end of the bottle their their brains were altered and damaged in a way that they had to keep getting opioids or else they felt like they were going to die and when i you know we all say oh i felt like i was going to die no this isn't like that. This is really, you are experiencing death. Your brain is sending you all kinds of messages that this is the end of your life. It's the most horrible. I mean, chemical is basically chemical poison. Yeah. It's chemical poison and it alters your, 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 your whole focus. Like the whole entire focus of your, of your animal self is to find is to find your next fix and it's a horrible life. And so, you know, I had to take you there, but I had to take you there. With someone that you already loved and you understood. Yeah,
0: you oh, you're you're I, rooting for him.
1: I you're rooting for I him. Felt, I felt, you know, waves
0: of catcher in the rye. I mean, that's why I call oh. him this American classic because he's wholly original, but it's it's a young man that takes you on the journey of how he's gonna how he's gonna survive. And it's uh, you you're you're rooting for him every step of the way. Someone wants to know, can Barbara comment on the book Empire of Pain?
1: That's, that was a, a great resource for me, and as was Beth Macy's um, uh, Dope Sick and her new book, which is out just out now, Raising Lazarus, which is kind of the next step about sort of what we do I think we now. need another drug to get everybody off the drugs. Right. Well, yeah, and just how, how we can, like, how, what a problem it is. there are something like in this region, 40 addicted people for every one opening in an an addiction treatment center or service. So there's a horrible dearth of treatment availability. And it's not, and people are not understanding this as a disease. You know, they're still saying put them in jail, which is exactly as effective for treating addiction as it would be to treat cancer it be like, okay, so well, oh, we have, have to, have to like, get yeah. everybody's
0: heads in the right place, too. Now, yeah. I want yeah. you to tell me, because uh, when I had my baby, uh, they gave me, after the whole thing, uh, I was in agony. And, they, and, and, and my buddy in the room with me said, ask for Percocet. And I took three pills that night and the next day and, and right before I left the hospital. And I had my baby in my arm. She was in the little chair. And I was like, hold on. And drive home a couple blocks. And the first thing I did when I got in the house, because I said to the nurse, where do I get the Percocet? Now, I want everybody to know I'm not a drinker. I don't don't know, whatever. I'm kind of like a, uh,
1: you know. You're an upstanding citizen.
0: No, I'm not saying I'm any different. I can't do what I do and have and do it. I just can't. I can't relax. I mean, I have a little wine here and there. But but my point is, I was addicted within 24 hours on Percocet. I'm just telling everybody that. And and my doctor, I called the doctor and she said, take Tylenol. She heard it in my voice. So wow. when I went in. Few weeks later, I said, "Hey, what was that?" She said, "You're on the borderline, baby. Don't you ever take that stuff." Yeah. yeah. Now I had a smart doctor. So what I'm trying to say to everybody is, I get it. I yeah. tried it. It's bad, and and these are a lot of times people who have worse pain than I was going through, and and I understand it. It's not their fault. But if you have a pharmaceutical, uh, uh, um, machine determined to get you on it mm-hmm.
1: yeah. right really really exactly a, you a whole, a love whole that's, this. that's dedicated de- dedicating a lot of resources to getting this drug into people and it's you know you have to understand the system too people we're we're getting educated now about structural racism well this is what we have here in Appalachia is structural poverty. It's poverty built into a place by design, by history, and it affects everything, and it affects enormously the healthcare delivery system. So we have very few doctors here, not nearly enough. So uh, all the hospitals, hospitals. Many, many hospitals uh, closed. Right, and so, and we have people who have very little time off of work. So, so what this means is when somebody can, uh, you know, and can't take sick leave from the job they have. So when somebody gets to the doctor, really all that doctor can do for this among the other 30 patients, she or he is going to see that day is a prescription. Because a lot of the the resources available in cities that people could be referred to a pre a pain clinic or some other kind of therapy to treat their pain, we don't have that option here. And so it was not the doctor's fault. You know, it was that's why Purdue chose this region. They knew these doctors really were are forced to um they're forced to be prescription pad doctors, so that's how it happened. It was so they yeah. used the structural poverty so anyway, this is all in the book, but it's not like you won't notice no, it but you know what? story no, but it's but important because to... because this is how it happened, yes. yeah, yeah yeah and that's what i wanted i didn't want to tell you as which is what i'm doing now i'm telling you the story of appalachia and how we got where we are but um that's not what i do in the book the book puts you in the lives in the world you're in In the world. world yeah in the world and you see people you see like this character dory who has to she's 15 and she has to drop out of school because she um her mother her mother is dead her father is sick he's he's got serious you know heart lung problems and he has nobody else to take her take him to the doctor she has to drop out of school because the nearest heart lung specialist true fact to to people here is in tennessee it's a it's a it takes a whole day to go to that appointment and get back and if you've got no other transportation than your daughter to take you to that appointment twice a week she's got to drop out of school so that changes her life, and then you know it's like it's the um, the, the domino the
0: effect, cyclical, and it's the cyclical nature of poverty. Right, right,
1: and, and so right. The
0: history of poverty is drug addiction, addiction because of the despair and
1: the uh, and the hard jobs and the injuries and like every, every as I said every every one of my informants my my friends who had gone through the addiction and recovery journey every one of them started with an injury um because of the hard work they did and um or it's high school football injury that's pretty common sports injuries it's it's these you know when when this gets into an adolescent brain this drug it's even it's even more powerful so anyway i don't think we're making the um book sound very much fun (laughs) no no get it. People get it,
0: but they're also, uh, from the questions, people are sharing their, uh, their stories about this. And here's, and, and, and Barbara, the most powerful thing that we can do is read your novel and discuss it in these, because it is um, so relatable, real, emotionally true. The characters, you love them, You worry for them, like Lee Smith did. You have this connection to this world. That's the other thing about Appalachia that we didn't say is that people do feel it's America's rainforest. It is where America sprung, whether they respect that or not, or they're going for the cheap joke or the jab. I don't think they really know the Appalachian people, and it's our job to have people know them, right? And I was romanticizing. I'm going to tell you, there's romantic elements in this book that are so searing and beautiful. And um and, and yet I always say this about you, you know, you're the real deal. You bring us into a world that you have created with such a with such a fine, fine point that you can't, you can't miss it. And emotionally, you just you're you're swept into it. And I mean, I grew up there and I feel that. Really, of all the books I've ever read, I think you captured it. Thank you. The compl- Thank you. Because compl- he's very, very funny. Let me say that before we leave. Demon is really hilarious. He says a lot of things that just, and does a lot of things too. Sometimes they give you humor um, uh, in, in, in you know buckets of it. It's fantastic. Thank you. Dear listeners, I'm thrilled that you joined us for two episodes of You Are What You Read this week. You know, I love a bonus anything. And this is certainly a big bonus. On April 17th, 2024, coming up, I'm gonna be at the John Fox Jr. Festival at our beloved Mountain Empire Community College in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. Our in-school writing program, The Origin Project, is there to celebrate with the John Fox Jr. Festival, all our young writers. And we have students coming from Lee High School, where Demon Copperhead is set down in Lee County. I couldn't be more excited and I can't wait to meet the students and Barbara will be there. She can't wait to meet you all either, and it's gonna be a great day. Please join us on Instagram at you are what you read podcast and at Adriana Trajani for more updates. We have a giveaway that is live right now, so go enter. Look, we'd love to give you everything we can for free, including this podcast. One lucky reader is going to get a copy of Coyote's Wild Home by Lillian and Barbara Kingsolver. Don't miss it. Sign up for the pages. Check back. We give, give, give because we want you to listen, listen, listen. And I want to thank you for doing that. And always, always thank you for reading.